Lord God, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as we meditate on your word for us, Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O oh God, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So it was Sunday morning and the alarm went off and husband turned to his wife and said, I'm not going to church this morning. And she just kind of looked at him and went, no, honey, you, you, you're going to church. You have to go to church this morning. He goes, look, he goes, I go to church every week. Can't I just take one week and sleep in? I, I, I don't want to go to church. He said, look, dear, get up. You're going to church. He goes, look, I've, I've seen the hymns for this week. They're not my favorite hymns. I, I, I'm not going to church this week. And she just goes, look, dear, you are going to church this week. He said, look, nobody there likes me. Nobody talks to me. I'm not going to church. She goes, look, you're the pastor. You have to go to church this morning. <laughs> well, as I said earlier, this is the seventh week in our series uh, called The Being Challenge. And, and, and let me ask you a question. Why is it that we're trying to be like Jesus? Because that's really what this series is all about, right? Why is it that we've decided that we were going to spend these eight weeks, in fact, you could argue every week, because our mission as a church is to help people look, live, and love more like Jesus. So, so, so why is it that we want to do that? Well, when you look through the history of all humanity, there's only one person that ever had a perfect relationship with his heavenly father, and that was Jesus. So if we want that kind of relationship too, if we want that perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father, there's one way to get it, and that's to follow what Jesus did, to learn to live the way Jesus lived. And uh, we've been using this book called The Being Challenged that takes a look at these, what we're calling keystone habits of Jesus, these things that Jesus did all the time in his life. And remember, a keystone habit is a habit that isn't really any harder to put into place in your life than any other habit. But, but in, in this case, a, a keystone habit is a habit that has a, a tremendous effect in your life that spills over into other areas of life. When you put this habit into place, it doesn't just affect that area of your life, but it affects your whole life. And so we've been looking at these keystone habits of Jesus, and we've looked at things like how he prioritized prayer, how he sought solitude, how he uh, committed to being in community with others. And this week, we're talking about this idea of choosing church. Now, the reality is that's become less and less a thing in our country. I mean, I remember when I was about nine years old and we moved uh, to a new neighborhood and, and how there was everybody in that neighborhood went to church on Sunday. Well, that's not quite true. There was one family that went to church on Saturday. They were Jewish. And, uh, but, but everybody went to church except for our one neighbor. And I remember how it was, they were kind of like the talk of the neighborhood because they didn't go to church. And it's kind of the opposite now, isn't it? My guess is when you were leaving for church this morning, a lot of your neighbors were still in bed or maybe raking leaves or doing something else. They weren't heading off to church. Choosing church has gotten more and more in our society these days, and quite honestly, choosing church has gotten more and more rare for Christians. 
When I first started my pastoral ministry back in the early 90s, if you asked a Christian if they worshiped regularly and they said yes, and then you asked them how many times a month does that mean, it was about 3.5. Think about that. Like almost every week. But right before the pandemic hit, there was a similar survey done by the Barner Research Company, and they asked Christians, do you worship regularly? And when they said yes, they said, well, what does that mean? How many times a month? And you know what? It averaged 1.6 times a month. Not even twice a month was regular worship attendance for so many Christians. Choosing church doesn't mean what it used to. Now, of course, the most important reason for us to go to church, and maybe it could be the only reason for us to go to church, is again, simply because Jesus went to church. Now, didn't call it church. It had a, a different name, a different way of talking about it. But, but from the very beginning of Jesus' life, corporate worship was a centerpiece I mean, we read this in Luke chapter 2, you know, right after that famous Christmas story that we'll be reading again in, in just, just a few weeks, it seems like, right? Right after that, it says, then it was time for the, their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord in the temple. So Mary and Joseph, we know right from the beginning that they were devout people, now, now, I will tell you, this purification rite for the firstborn in the temple didn't happen for most Jews of Jesus' day. Only a few actually followed this rule and observed it. And, and Jesus' parents were among those. They were very devout. In, in fact, just a, a little while later in Luke's gospel, we find out that, that Mary and Joseph made a point every year of going to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Again, that was something all the Jews were supposed to do, but few did. I mean, they might do it every once in a while, every few years or something, but Mary and Joseph were told every year, packed up the family and headed for Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, <laughs> that one year in Luke 2, we also hear this, right? How they left Jesus behind accidentally in Jerusalem, thinking he was with other family, with other friends. And when they go back to Jerusalem, they're searching all over him for three days. And when they finally find him, Jesus is like, well, didn't you know I'd be at church? It's my father's house. It's where I go. It was a part of Jesus' life. And it wasn't just a part of Jesus' life when they were in Jerusalem. Jesus was not a Christmas and Easter worshiper, right? He, he worshiped every week there in Nazareth, in his own hometown. Uh, look at this. This is in Luke 4.16. It says this. It says, this is Jesus when he's older. It says, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Every week. Jesus went to church. And by the way, they have excavated um, and found a first century village there in modern day Nazareth and they have rebuilt some of the buildings and this is the synagogue. This is the, the rebuilt synagogue there in Nazareth. This is what church would have looked like for Jesus. This is where he would have gone every week as a youth growing up. In fact, he would have gone there every day for a while when he was younger to study God's word under the tutelage of the local rabbi. Jesus went to church. And in fact, during his ministry, Jesus continued to do that. We're told in Mark chapter one that as he traveled throughout Galilee, 
Every week he was preaching in a synagogue somewhere. He was like the traveling guest preacher now during his ministry. And in fact, when he was in Jerusalem, he went back to the temple and not just once in a while. This is uh, Jesus uh, talking to some of the religious leaders and he says, well, when I was with you daily in the temple. In fact, Jesus went every day. Showed up every day there in the temple to teach and to participate in the worship services that were happening every day there in Jerusalem. The fact is, Jesus went to church. So, okay, Jesus went to church, so, but why should we go to church? I mean, after all, he's Jesus, right? It's kind of like, you're the pastor, you have to go to church, right? You're the son of God, you gotta go to church. But what about us? Why should we go to church? And, and I, I'd give you three reasons this morning, three pretty simple reasons why it's important for you to be in church every possible opportunity that you have. Here you go, here's the first one. You need it. I think uh, some of you know that one of my uh, kind of side hobbies is I like to get a telescope out at night and look at the stars. And uh, my particular telescope is the kind where you have to, you have to keep it something they call collimated. And let me explain what that means. The, see, the light comes in the top, and it goes to the bottom of the telescope where there's a mirror. And that mirror reflects it back up the tube to a smaller mirror that's in the middle of the tube that's on a 45-degree angle that reflects the light out the side of the tube through the eyepiece, and that's what you actually look through and see. And, and now, if all of those things aren't perfectly in alignment, you don't see a good image. Now, if they're way out of alignment, you won't see anything, but that's not normally what happens. Normally, they get just a little bit out of alignment, and you still see the image you're looking at. You can still see the moon or the stars or the, the nebula or whatever it is you're trying to see, but the problem is because they're out of alignment a little bit, you just don't see the detail you normally would. It's not quite as clear. It's not quite as interesting. And folks, isn't that, isn't that a great example for what can happen to us in our life? You know, when, when our life starts to get a little bit out of whack, when we start to get a little bit out of alignment with God's plan for our lives, it, it, it's not like it's a total train wreck. It's not like, you know, everything is gone. You, you, you can still see what's going on around you, but it's just not quite as in focus as it should be. It's not as detailed. It's not as helpful. The fact is, that can happen to us as Christians very, very easily. We can get out of alignment. And, and that idea that on a regular basis, with my telescope, I need to get my tools out, and uh, I, I need to check and, and get that alignment back in, and then I can see perfectly again, that I think that's a great example of what we do here every week together. It's like we've gotten a little bit out of alignment during the week, and now we gather back together, uh, centered around God's word, centered around the worship of him, and, and we spend some time getting ourselves back perfectly in alignment so we can see clearly his plan for us as we go back into our daily lives. Looks like I think that rhythm of once a week doing that is kind of built into who we are. Remember, that God creates the world in six days and on the seventh day he rests. And then he says that we are to take that seventh day and make it holy, make it a day to get realigned with God. God knows us and he knows seven days is about the right interval. Not 14 days, not once a month, not Christmas and Easter. Every seven days, once a week, we need to be together. 
That's why the writer to the Hebrews said um, what, what they said in the reading we heard earlier. He said, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. By the way, isn't it interesting to know that right then, um, right away in the first century, not long after Jesus was here already, they were having problems with church attendance. Already there were people that went, uh, I don't need to go to church this week. He says, let's not stop meeting together as some people do, but let's encourage one another. And he says, especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. Isn't it interesting? 2,000 years ago, they expected Jesus, Jesus to come back at any moment. I wonder if we still feel that way. We should. I said before, I'm going to be with you guys three out of the next uh, four weeks, four times in these five weeks. Maybe not. Maybe Jesus comes this week. Wouldn't that be awesome? He says, don't stop meeting together. You need it, the writer to the Hebrews says. You need that encouragement. Here's the second reason why you should go to church, because church needs you. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times during my ministry I've heard this story. Somebody comes up to me after church, and they're really excited, and they're bringing a new visitor with them, and they're saying, this it's my roommate from college. They just showed up here for church this morning. They didn't know I went to church here. Isn't that amazing? Or this is my, you know, I work with this person. They, they just showed up here. They didn't know I went to church here. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. Where somebody shows up as a visitor, and there's somebody they know well and didn't expect to meet. Now, what if that had been the week that that person decided, eh, I don't need to go to church today? I would have missed that opportunity. And, and, and even more than that, let's go back to that Hebrews reading and let's put in a little more of the context. It says this, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I, I love that word, that word, that word stir up one another. That, that literally means to sharpen one another, to realign one another. Did, did you ever think about that, that, that part of your job here when you come is to stir up one another to good works, it's, to, it's to, to sharpen one another, it's to help one another get realigned? And by the way, then it, it ends with this, it says, but encourage one another. And the word there, encourage, in the original language literally means to call out in its first meaning. It's, it's, it, the, the picture here is of cheering for someone while they are doing something. My sister and I on uh, Friday night had a chance to go to a Blackhawks game. I haven't been to a hockey game in two years because of the pandemic. And it was so great to actually be able to go uh, to the hockey game. And, uh, and, and, and of course, if you've ever been to a hockey game, you know what happens when the Blackhawks score a goal, right? Instantly, everybody jumps up out of their seats and starts cheering, and they sing this really weird song. But it's fun, it's a blast. You get to cheer for one another, right? Why don't we do that at church? Why, why don't we actually cheer for one another? We're gonna do that right now. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up, and I want you to look at somebody else, and I want you to tell them, you are awesome, and then we're gonna cheer for one another. Are you ready? Let's go, stand up, come on, let's go. Come on, look around. Tell them you're awesome. Let's cheer for one another. Woo! You guys are doing awesome. Way to go. Nice job. 
All right, Carol, play Chelsea Dagger. Let's go. Come on. No, we can't do that. All right, everybody have a seat. But, but seriously, that's what the writer to the Hebrews says church is all about. It's not just about praising God and hearing from his word. It's about encouraging one another. It's letting one another know that, yeah, life is hard, but you're doing great. That's why we need to be here. Maybe you're sitting there going, I don't really think I need to get realigned every week. I don't think I need to come to church. My prayer time with God is often is awesome. I study God's word. I, I, I don't need church. Now, first of all, I think you're full of it. But, uh, but even if that was true, who better to encourage the other believers than you? You need to come to church because I believe you need it, but you also need to come to church because church needs you. And then finally, here's the last reason. Because when you come to church, Jesus shows up. Now, I, I don't know if you guys are Saturday Night Live fans. I used to be. I don't really watch it much anymore. Um, but, but one of the things I do remember over the years that I used to like Saturday Night Live is they seemed pretty fascinated with Jesus. He showed up a lot in those old episodes. This particular one um, was, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but Sally Fields was the guest host, and, uh, and, and she was a really dedicated Christian, and she was praying like over everything, like praying over her breakfast and praying over her kid before he was, I mean, just constantly praying. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. He's like, hey, Mary, um, could you like pray just a little less? Because... Yeah, I gotta listen to all your prayers, and you know, and praying before you vacuum the stairs is probably not needed, you know? Now, of course, we would disagree. God loves to hear you pray even before you vacuum the stairs, right? But, but I just kind of find it fascinating that Saturday Night Live just had all these different sketches where all of a sudden Jesus would just kind of show up. But the fact is, that's Jesus' promise. In Hebrews chapter 18, he says this. He says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. The fact is, we have Jesus' promise. That, and, and by the way, he also said, lo, I'm with you always. You don't have to come here to see Jesus. But you know for sure that when you are here, Jesus is here with us. He is present in this room through the gift of his spirit. He will be present physically through his body and blood shared with us when we celebrate the Lord's Supper later in this service. Folks, if for no other reason, we show up at church because we know we're going to see Jesus there. Now, I just want to just real quickly just say a word about church online. Because, because church online has been an incredible blessing for us as a congregation this last year and a half, hasn't it? I mean, it really has. And, and I got to tell you, just again, if you maybe have heard me say this before, I can't say it enough. I am so proud of our staff. Literally, within a week, we went from knowing nothing about how you do church online to turning out a service every weekend from all four of our sites. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still remember the, the phone calls and, and, uh, and people going, well, how do you even put it online? I'm like, I don't know, we, we gotta, but we'll figure it out. And, and God blessed us. And, and by the way, just a little side note, uh, the people of Life Church who offer the church online platform that we use, you know, talk about an amazing story of God. They had been doing, the, offering, and by the way, they offer the service free to any church that wants to use it. 
Um, they had been offering this service to about 3,000 churches. And uh, this was the fall before the pandemic hit. And they were like, what if we had to offer it to 6,000 instead of 3,000? And our technical people went, it'll never work. You can't handle that many churches. And they went, well, we'd like to do, go international. We'd like to help international churches uh, use this as well, and that might double the number of churches. So we got to redesign it. So they, they rolled up their sleeves, and they spent November of 2019 to about February of 2020 uh, changing the whole platform so it could handle more churches. And then the pandemic hit, and they went from about 4,000 churches at the time to 32,000 churches in two weeks. Isn't that amazing? And again, all just offered free. And, and, and they just laughed now. They, they, they were like, yeah, we knew we had to double the size. We didn't know we had to quintuple the size, and we didn't know we were doing it for American churches, but God did. So, so Church Online, hear me clearly, is an incredible blessing. And, and for those people that cannot physically make it to church, Church Online is, has been a godsend. I, I've talked with a few of our homebound members who, you know, for years um, would not be able to participate in our worship services, and now through Church Online they can. But folks, here's the problem. And I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit because you guys are here, right? But, but the problem is, we have a whole bunch of people that could come back to church, but you know what they found? They like the convenience of sitting around in their pajamas with a cup of coffee and watching church on TV and not coming. That's not good. It's not what God planned for us. And so, again, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but, uh, but those of you that have friends that might fall into that category, people that you know used to be regular here in their worship at Trinity, and, and, and now they're just, they just haven't come back yet, Please encourage them. Please let them know they are missed. I mean, here's the numbers. Before the pandemic hit, we were averaging right around between eight and 900 a weekend among our four campuses. And now we're averaging about 1,100, which is awesome, but only about 500 of those are in person. The rest are online. And for some of them, that's the only way they can worship. We get it. But for so many, they could be here. So just a word of encouragement to you. First of all, thank you for making this a priority to be here. And second of all, if you know folks that you know could be here, please encourage them. So one, one last story. There's a, a little boy, and um, he loved going to church with his family every week. He loved Sunday school. He loved seeing his friends. And, but, but one particular Sunday morning, he was sick. And so mom said, you know, you're going to have to stay home from church this morning. And, and, and so he stayed home, and it turned out that was Palm Sunday. And so, so mom made sure she got a palm for him, and she brought it home, and she gave it to him. And he's like, what was this? And she's like, well, this is what uh, the people would wave when, when Jesus came down the aisle. And he went, oh, great. The first week I miss, he shows up. <laughs> Folks, we choose church. We choose to gather together with one another every week. It makes a difference in our lives. It makes a difference in the lives of others. But maybe most importantly of all, it's where Jesus shows up. I pray that God would bless your worship today and every week. Amen.